Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. I'm Maya. This is my Stephen King podcast. Uh, if you heard the first episode, you know that I have a website called dairyconnection.com where I attempt to uh, track all the connections between Stephen King books. How, how do I sound? You sound great. Do you want to intro me as a guest? Yeah. I So I'm here with uh, Eric Price, star of the famous podcast, Frank and Eric, Internet Famous. Also, my husband. Yep. Veteran podcaster and loving and devoted husband. Yes. He keeps reminding me how much he knows about podcasting. <laughs> I keep resisting all his advice. Yep. I'm here and I'm ready. I'm ready to offer all of my expertise. About podcasting. About podcasting <laughs> and Stephen King's It. Did you know there are other worlds than these Where they all float or get a bad disease Let's all go to Castle Rock We can hitch a ride with Christine And you will find the dairy connection And we can party like it's six nineteen ninety nine. So we're going to be talking about it. We just saw the movie. Yes. Today. Um, let's. So I like to start my episodes off by talking about everyone's uh, relationship to Stephen King. Sure. So what's yours? Oh, okay. Short well, version. <clears throat> short version is, uh, so I read a lot of Stephen King as a kid. Um, like what? What books? I vividly remember reading Pet Cemetery when I was in elementary school. I was a very early reader, and my parents uh, would, my mom would take me to the bookstore, and she was like, you could get any book you want. That was the deal. Like, go pick out a book, you can get it, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it was like the 80s, and I was like, I thought horror was like badass, you know, because like horror movies were huge, and, and so Stephen King was really popular then, and so I started reading Stephen King books, and I remember reading Pet Cemetery. I think that was the first one that I read. Okay. Um, and then, so, uh, my sister read a lot of Stephen King. So we would trade the novels. We would get them and she would usually read them first and then give them to me. So I read as a child, I read pet cemetery, like the classics. Yeah. The classics. I read pet cemetery, Carrie, uh, Cujo, um, probably read Carrie. I read, uh, misery. Mm -hmm. Um, what else? I read a whole bunch, uh, and I've yeah you know, I've, I've always continued to read them. Yeah, I, I've, I'm a, I'm a fan. So you so you read the classics because I feel so Stephen King has played kind of a big part in our relationship. Yeah, uh, we when we met, uh, I think I was reading Lisey's story when we met. Is that right? Or I had just read it. You had just read it, yeah. And I I told you about it, and I remember after our first date, you sent me a picture of yourself uh, on your stoop in Brooklyn reading Lisey's story. Yeah, you said it was your favorite book. So the next day, uh, (laughs) in a cheap effort to impress you, I ran out and got a copy. And it worked. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, So, because I feel like at the time, you weren't that into Stephen King. I feel like I talked about reading Lisey's story, and you were like, oh, I'll pick it up, but I don't. 
I had taken a little bit of a break from Stephen King. I, I read Stephen King a lot when I was, like I said, younger. Um, I remember reading um, when I was around 20 and I was working at a bookstore. Randomly, I picked up The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, did not care for it. Yeah, That's, not one of his best. That is, I think, the only Stephen King book, with the exception of that cell phone one. Cell. Cell. But even Cell, the structure of the story was enough to keep me going. Yeah. Like, it was fine. Yeah. You know, it was just like I was well, watching I'm glad really I just bad. bought The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon while we were on vacation the other day. I picked up The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon based purely on its cover, because it had this it looks, really nice yeah. looking cover, and... uh and I just remember thinking, like, oh, it's Stephen King. It's readable. It's short. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's going to be great. And I just slogged through that and hated it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we both read Lacey's story. Yes. And then uh, I remember we both read The Shining together as a couple's activity. Oh, yeah. Which was fun. Or reread, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we got engaged in front of Stephen King's house. Yeah. Uh, in Bangor. That was really cool. We did the Stephen King tour. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we had a very Stephen King-centric trip. And uh, the culmination of it was that we got engaged in front of his house. Very romantic. So uh, we just saw the movie today. Yes. What What were your overall thoughts? Because we haven't talked about it. Okay. First of all, I want to talk about... Remember, this is a short form <laughs> podcast. Eric's podcast is usually two hours per episode. Yeah. So. I like I like to get everybody warmed up. I like to <laughs> so all right. Let me paint a picture. No, no. There just, I am sitting in Alamo Draft House in downtown Brooklyn. Maya, my beautiful wife, is sitting sitting to my right and to my left. There's this gentleman <laughs> who's man spreading super hard, and his foot is pressing <laughs> against my foot. So I had to keep scooting my feet over toward you. And then he ordered a milkshake <laughs> and tried to use the cup holder in our shared armrest for his milkshake. All right. Just and it was like a milkshake with a big, big thing of whipped cream on top and a cherry, like not a, not a paper cup full of soda with a lid on it. It was like an ice cream sundae <laughs> in the middle of our armrest. I'm concerned this podcast is not going to be very short. Okay. <laughs> so, so there we are. And just, uh, did you like it or not? Uh, this is just my sort of, you want my overall, I, just like about the movie. thumbs up or thumbs down on yeah. the movie. Um, thumbs up. I enjoyed it. Not enthusiastic? I will probably be more critical about it than most people, I feel like. Uh, Because I deeply loved the book. So did I. Super, super hardcore love the book. Also, uh, I grew up watching the TV miniseries. So it was really hard for me not to compare every element of it to that. Yeah. And I understand that I watched the TV miniseries during a very like impressionable, you know, time in my life. So I'm, my recollections of it are definitely different than the reality since we just watched clips. Yeah. Um, you know, there, I like, I've personally thought that Tim Curry's Pennywise was better, at least aesthetically than, the new Pennywise. So I think you're insane. Okay. Uh, so I love the book. Okay. I haven't seen the miniseries. I, I never tried to watch it because from the moment I was born, basically, my mom has always always told me that it's the reason she's scared of clowns. Okay. So I've just avoided it. Um, but uh, you just showed me the highlights of the miniseries and it looked ridiculous and Pennywise sounded like a like an old Jewish man from Brooklyn. I agree. 
I agree. It didn't seem scary at all. So uh, that's what that's why I was careful to say aesthetically. But aesthetically, I feel like the new one is way scarier. Am I allowed to curse? Yes. Am I allowed to say gross things? We swear on. Well, what do you mean gross? Well, so I don't know if I'm going to say the gross thing right now, but I was just curious. <laughs> anyway, uh, so here's the thing: it was too CGI'd. It was the new one. Yeah, too. It was too CGI. I will say heavy. There, there's something creepy about the old one because it's literally just a dude standing there. Yes, I think that it feels a little more real. I think a guy painted up just Tim Curry in face paint is yeah. so much scarier. Right, and I can imagine if I, I can imagine that man showing up in my apartment and like saying something gross to me. Exactly. Yeah. Like there is there's a reality element to that that's more, to me more scary than let's face it. I think the new Pennywise looks like it could be a video game character. But a really scary one. Yeah. But it's not like a creepy clown who just appeared. It's like a weird kind of like reptilian clown thing. You know, like, like it's clearly a monster. Yeah. And, and As opposed to a guy. Yeah, as opposed to... I, I do think... I mean, if you think about like the themes with like Bev and her rapey dad and all that stuff, like there is something scary about just like a... Like a, an angry Brooklyn dude just showing up in your house. Yeah. I I think that... Yeah. yeah I don't know. I think it's more about the visuals for me. Like, yeah. I thought that the the new Pennywise, the way he talked and, and how menacing he was, that was really cool. I just didn't... Like, when they had close-ups on him, I could see that, you know, there was, like, cracks in his forehead to yeah. make it look old and i was like oh that's just like computer texturing that somebody sat there and did like like i it looked fake to me all the bad guys looked really fake yeah in this movie that's fair and that that just kind of i i felt like when you're especially when you're watching something that takes place in the past and it's these kids and it's like you know like to have this super yeah. Modern looking. It did sort of take you out of like the 80s aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's my thought on yeah. that. We we don't have to go to five minutes for every segment. It's just five minutes tops. Okay. So we I could, could do I, like one minute. I could have gone way longer I know. than five minutes. <laughs> that's <clears throat> what she said. Okay. So one thing that's really controversial is their decision to break this up into two movies where the first movie was just the kids and mm -hmm. the second is just the adults. Yeah. Um, what, were, what was your take on that? Um, well, it shocked the people sitting next to us. <laughs> oh my God. That was so good. <laughs> well, that was like a, when the credits started rolling? Yeah. When the, are we, we're, we're obviously doing spoilers. Yeah, yeah. There's the, spoilers. In um, yeah. You know, at the end, the the logo comes up again it says it but it says chapter one right which i did they ever have opening credits like did it say oh yeah i guess it said it at the beginning in the sewer yeah i was because apparently this one is called it chapter one the losers club but they never say that right but that's the official title so i i was surprised like they really didn't i, I think what they wanted was that guy's reaction which was oh shit there's a second one like mm -hmm. that guy clearly had never heard of any of this well what i will say uh, uh one thing that this movie succeeded doing is that it turned this gigantic Stephen King sprawling multi-generational story into a reasonable movie into a reasonable movie that you don't have to know anything about it or care about it in any way to enjoy. Yeah. So like that's a success when you consider other Stephen King movies like the dark tower, for you instance, could list literally any Stephen King movie, <laughs> right? Where, and those fail almost 
totally because they really just provide illustration for a story that you already know. It's almost like banking on you knowing yeah. what's going on. Yeah. So you're like, oh, that's what that guy looks like. I, that's honestly what I loved about this movie is I felt watching it like any person could watch this and enjoy it and feel like this is an amazing story. Stephen King is a great writer, which always validates me because every time I bring up Stephen King, people are like, oh, he sucks. Yeah. And he doesn't. No, he's great. Yeah. I think that's just like pseudo intellectual posturing when people say that they don't like. Stephen no, I King. think it's people who've seen a bad movie based on one of his books and they've never read like his the books. lawnmower man, for example. <laughs> hey, we don't we don't talk bad about the lawnmower yeah. man in this uh, house. You never said what the man next to you did at the end of the movie. Oh, uh, so it said it the chapter, chapter one, one and there was sort of a beat and he goes loudly. Oh, they're making another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what he sounded like at all. I I, I can't do a, an impression. Of yeah. Him. Oh, was, they're making another it one. Was more like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was very surprised, and we yeah. we laughed with a with a, a mouthful of vanilla milkshake. Yeah. yeah. Well, I so I I love the movie, and I I felt like I was expecting to be annoyed because so in the book for people who haven't read it, it goes back. What are you doing there? I was just moving, moving some items that were. Um, in the book, it goes back and forth between like. The them as kids and them as adults and so it's all very like intertwined and it sort of reveals the story as it goes on both ends yeah um so i was expecting to be annoyed by that but i actually thought it was a really good choice for the movie because i think like you said like if they had tried to cram the whole thing into one movie it would have been terrible and if they had tried to cram like just half of the story into one movie it would have been like you know the harry potter thing where it's like you're just left with a cliffhanger for no reason yeah i mean the thing that's tricky about it they they divided the the tv miniseries up the same way they did all the kids stuff and oh really yeah so the first half is the kids oh i didn't know that so why was everyone so mad about this i don't know unless i'm remembering it incorrectly but i'm pretty sure when you watched it yeah i could have sworn (laughs) anyway who cares what i think um uh the only thing that i found weird about that is that if when you divide it completely in half like that and you make it all the kids stuff and then all the adult stuff later the the conclusion of the kid part is so kind of quick and easy you know in the movie you mean in the movie and in the story yeah like like in the story the conclusion of i mean in both cases the conclusion is like we have to do this again but i feel like if you were just watching it and you didn't know what the hell is going on at the end of that you'd be like wait wait what they the clown just went away I, and they're cool. I got to say, so I, so Mike, who we're going to be calling in later for this episode, um, was uh, he ha- he didn't know anything about it going into it. Yeah. And when he saw he, he was like describing the movie to me and he was like, I don't understand how they're making a sequel because it seems like they killed the clown at the end. What? And I was like, what are you talking about? You can't kill it. It never does. That's like the whole thing yeah. is it comes back every 27 years. But he- <laughs> <laughs> We're just we're watching the clock here. Yeah, we're running a very strict. You, we need time like a limit. signal so you don't just make a weird face. Okay, I'll do this. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, he really thought that the clown died, so he was like, "I don't know what the sequel's about." But yeah, um, I think they will find it. Uh, my my guess is that in the next one, it will also flash back to the kids. Yeah. In this segment, can we talk about the phallic imagery throughout the movie? Was there? Well, the bolt gun. Okay. Pretty, pretty intense phallic imagery. And everything else just came from Richie, I feel like. Just making like innuendo jokes. And then when Beverly shoves the rebar down Pennywise's throat and she's the one who's been like, it's very strongly implied that she's the one who's being sexually abused. Yeah. 
and she the way she defeats the bad guy is by literally forcing him to deep throat a piece of steel. Oh, is that the gross thing you were going to say? No, I was going <laughs> to I was the gross thing I was going to mention. This is also uh sexual imagery is uh when Pennywise opens his mouth, he's got a weird lamprey vagina mouth. Okay. We'll just beep that out later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can't say that? I, you can't. I I really didn't pick up on that stuff. I f- I hear you. Um, to the people who listens, uh, who listen to Maya's the Dairy Connection, the podcast. Dairy Connection podcast, uh, uh, on Anchor, um, and other places, and other can. places where podcasts are <laughs> sold. Um, you know, if you have any thoughts on the sexual <laughs> imagery in in it, hit us up. You know, get in the Anchor app, call in, tell us your thoughts because. Uh, I think it was pretty Look, obvious. I'm not saying there's obviously a lot of sexual. Well, I have this as my last note to talk about, but there's obviously the whole orgy situation. Uh, it's not. It's not an. It's not a non-sexual story, and I think yes. like so much of the movie was like all those boys just staring at Bev's boobs and just being like, "Oh, there's a girl near us." Like I think th- there was a lot of overt sexuality, and I think to your point, a lot of sort of innuendo. But yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, yeah, I I don't want to harp on this too much. I think that, like, there's obviously a, a, when it comes to the group's fascination with Beverly, I think that uh, men would probably be more inclined to see that as being very innocent. Yeah. I don't know if if it seems, I, I, I could see how it seems gross. No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Um, but let me, so on that note, one of the... One, Sorry, I'm derailing your show. So before we start this next segment, I, I just want to check in. Uh, has it been helpful that I've been sitting here through this whole thing with a flashlight under my chin in full clown makeup? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm just, I wanted to... It's really like putting me in the movie. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to create some theater of the mind for everyone else, but I need you to be reacting. Mm, okay, should I start screaming? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I actually was thinking this morning when we were getting ready to go to the movie that I wish that we had planned ahead and dressed in clown makeup. Yeah, that would have been great. Because, like, nobody in Brooklyn ever does that stuff. You never get the thing where, it, like, remember when Harry Potter came out and everybody dressed up in, like, Harry Potter outfits? Yeah. And then we would walk into the theater late. Yeah, we did get there late. <laughs> Uh, and disrupt everybody. Like three minutes too late. Yeah. Um. So I want to I want to complain about something for a second. Let it rip. So I always look for Stephen King connections, as yep. you know. Um. I've started this really annoying habit of every time we see a Stephen King movie, I bring a little notebook and take notes during the movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of, of all mm-hmm. the connections. Um. And I first got irritated by this when I saw the Dark Tower movie because that should have been chock full of Stephen King references. Yeah. And there were like three, and I felt the same way about this one. Like I know it. Unlike the Dark Tower, it's not, it, it is not the center of the Stephen King universe the same way that Dark Tower is. Right. But in a way, which I'll get into, it is. Like, it is mentioned in so many Stephen King books. Like, clearly to Stephen King, this is, like, near near the hub, if not the hub. Sure. Um, And I just feel like if I, so there's this whole sort of, like, Stephen King renaissance happening right now. I guess yeah. it happens every five years or so when they make a hundred movies out of his books. But, like, yeah. right now, all of it, like, this year, Dark Tower came out, it... Gerald's Game is coming soon. I think there's another show. Oh, the the Stephen King Universe one. 
I think it's called um, Castle Rock something. Mm, okay. Um, but the point is, this year, suddenly, everyone's like, oh, Stephen King, really good, whatever, which is you know bothering me, as you know. Yeah. But the point is, like, I get that there are different writers and directors behind each of these movies. Why are these people not leaning in and creating a real universe? Like, it's so easy. If you've read any Stephen King books, um, I guess it would be so much more fun. There's probably a whole bunch of reasons. Like it's it's not like I'm sure there are reasons. I'm just saying, like it, if you want Stephen King fans to love these movies, yeah, there's a really easy formula, right, to do that. Well, the the people who are making these movies, first of all, it's not like when uh when a production company gets the rights to like Marvel, right? Right. So you have all but- these individual properties. But they're all being made by the same production company, right. and then like I totally you know, get that. Uh, and yet, if I were making, if I were making a Stephen King movie about like Lacey's story, unconnected to anything else, yeah, I would like put in little things related to the other movies. I would have, uh, you know, how in the Dark Tower at the beginning they had that um, thing that said like the Ted Corporation was one of the production companies. Yeah, put that everywhere. Why not? Right. That's like a cool you know, throwback to the, to the dark tower. Yeah. Um, every visible number should add up to 19. Right. That was, that was pissing me off so much. So there, I was writing down all the license plate numbers in it. <laughs> uh, and none of them added up to 19. One added up to 18, which made me so mad. Okay. It's like, it's so easy. Just everything should add up to 19. Um, there were a bunch of close ups of flowers. None of them were roses. Right. Just make everything roses. Yeah. Um, and like, just have little crossovers. So like there was, the old woman who saw Georgie near the the drain thing have her say her name or have like a little label on her house that shows that she's someone from Derry. Like yeah. there's so many easy things to do there, and I just have don't somebody even... listen into a ball game where Tom Gordon's playing. Sure, right. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Like there's so many opportunities for this. Yeah, and like in it, I I really was hoping there would be them, and there were all these really cute nods to the book. Yes, but there weren't like. And there were, you know, all the like subtle references to Pennywise. So like anytime a TV was on, somebody in the background was like, you should go float in the sewers, which was like cool. Yeah. But it could have been much cooler, I felt like. So I want to talk about my favorite part of the movie and then I want to talk about the orgy. Okay. Because we have to talk about it. Sure. So my favorite part of the movie was uh, there's a part where... Um, the girl in the pharmacy tells Eddie that his drugs are placebos. Yeah. And so he goes home to his mom and he says, mom, what's with all the, you know, what's my sickness? And she's like, oh, you're really sick. And he's like, these are gazebos. Yeah. I, I, it I, was the best. That was definitely the big laugh moment in the yeah. theater. It was, just, it was so unnecessary, but so fun. I liked that the movie had a good balance of scares and laughter. Yeah. And they, they did a really good job with that. I, I think that like, <clears throat> they did a good job of balancing the laughter and the scariness because it is a coming of age story really. So like it, it should be yeah. funny. Um, I, I think that they relied a little too heavily on jump scares and because they did that and they probably had to do that for the people who are going to go see this movie and they don't for give a, scary a shit. Clown. Yeah. yeah. And so they had to do that, but I think that that's why they weren't able to do things like build a creepier atmosphere of, of the yeah. kids can see this and the adults can't like, they couldn't take time to just create weirdness. They had to have shit jumping out at you right yeah. away. So, but yeah, I really like that. You could laugh throughout yeah, the movie. It was nice. Um, so let's talk about the, the famous orgy scene. 
So I'm in. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the big controversy about it uh, in general, but the novel especially, is that in it there is a scene towards the end of the book where I, th- I believe it's when the kids have just defeated it yeah. when they're little yes. and then they're lost in the sewers and they're like the you know the story is that like they're having trouble getting out of the sewers and they keep getting lost and so Beverly is like hey this is happening because we're not you know together we're not on the same page so she's like I know let's all have sex with me and there's what is it six dudes and her and in the book I and I just read it again to refresh my memory it's literally each one of the six boys has sex with her just in a row um, and it's weird I, I would have liked to come into this saying that it was less weird than everyone thinks, but having read it again, it is more weird than I thought it was. It seems very gratuitous. And there are a lot of parts in the description of it where Stephen King makes sure to point out that Beverly is too young to understand any of this, too young to really, you know, have a good time. But don't they... I, I don't want to be the apologist, I guess, for this stuff, but like, isn't it... Doesn't he also... He, yeah. Go out of his way to indicate that like it's none of them really him. know what's going on. Yeah, none of it. Right. It's definitely not like a rape scene. So yeah. like, and she, in fact, convinces all of them to do it. They're all really uncomfortable with the idea. Right. And again, like what I said earlier, I think it's sort of about her like um, taking charge of her sexuality and like, right. you know, whatever. Um, and in there, there are some nice things in the passage. Like he sort of talks about how. Like he talks a lot about how it's bringing them together and how much they love each other and how like they're all very gentle with her and whatever. So it's like it's not upsetting in that way. But I think if you have just read 900 pages of it and then you suddenly get to this scene where Bev's like, hey, I'm naked. Let's all have sex in the sewer. It's just a little weird. And they didn't do that in the movie. Right. Understandably, they did not do that in the movie. Uh, I'm just going to (laughs) say... Having read the book, I was I was prepped for it. Like somebody mentioned it to me before I got to that part in the book. I did not find it upsetting or jarring while you were reading it. While I was, I reading felt the it. same way. I when I was reading it, I did not realize that was a controversy. Yeah, and then afterwards, when I was reading like reviews of it, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like people are really upset about that. Uh, yeah, and I just found that really strange. I felt like the people who were really upset about that. Again, I can be wrong. I get it. But I just felt like they were really cherry picking an individual thing in the book to be upset about because. No, I think any book where you have a child orgy is going to upset people. They're like 11 and six dudes have sex with one girl. Right. Who has already been abused by her father. Right. It's like not a good thing. Right. But I feel the same way that while I was reading it, it did not upset me. And then when I thought about it later, when I saw everyone else screaming about it, I was like, oh, I get it yeah but i I also think it's worth noting like i was saying to someone the other day like stephen king is really good at like uh making people and situations really horrific because that's reality yeah like people are gross and scary all right so we're gonna call in my friend mike now who I, i think i already mentioned this but he had no idea what it was about when he saw it. I think he knew there was a clown in it, but um, he told me after he saw it, like he made me watch a YouTube clip of the opening scene and he was like, there's just a fucking clown in the drain. It just eats this kid's arm. And I was like, yeah. Where were most people? I don't know. Like, I guess, I don't know. I guess like maybe they were off having like 
adventurous lives or something. Orgies. Now, well, maybe maybe everybody else was having orgies when I was a latchkey kid sitting at home watching the Aww. it uh, the the it TV series. It's like, oh, I wish I had somebody to tell about this. I guess I'll just hit rewind and watch it again. <laughs> Have fun at your orgy, guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, that was little Eric, uh, and now yep. now I'm going to call in Mike. Hello. Hi, Mike. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Mike, I'm here, too. Oh, what's up, Eric? How are you? Good. We're, so we're, as you know, we're recording a podcast about it. Yeah. All right. Tell me, so you watched the movie. You knew nothing about it. What was your impression of the movie? I thought the movie was awesome. I, 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 I didn't know much about it. All I knew about it was what I remember from being a kid in the 90s, that there was this really scary uh, book and television movie starring Tim Curry as a crazy clown that kills children. But that's all I knew. Um, yeah. I didn't know about any of the scenes. I, I didn't know anything. And I saw the movie the other night, and I loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredible. Yeah. You've been talking about it all week. I have been. That's right. I've been telling anyone who will listen. Yeah. And so I remember you told me that you were really shocked by the scene where Georgie gets his arm uh, chewed off. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it would go that far that quickly in the movie. Like, I, 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 I think, you know, without, again, without knowing much about the story, I thought, like, Georgie would see this clown and the clown would, like, befriend him. And then Georgie would run, run off and go home and have dinner. And then maybe the next day he sees, sees the clown again and they become better friends and then better friends. And then before you know it, something terrible happens. But no, they were just like, now nah, we're just going to rip this kid's arm off right now. Uh, we're just going to rip this kid's arm off, drag him into the sewer, and Georgie is dead. Welcome to it. All right, so this is my favorite part. I'm starting to think I should maybe lead my episodes with this. Uh, well, you don't, don't want to blow your wad right at the beginning, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> not really how I would put it, but yeah, I guess. Um, so let's talk about the connections the Stephen King connections mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, I actually didn't see a lot. I don't know if you caught ones that I didn't. I did not. You didn't get any? Uh, no. I actually did not get any connections. Yeah. Uh, what I will say, this is not a connection thing, but um, I thought they did a spectacular job within the first few minutes of moving through Derry. Of and capturing Bangor. Yeah, but capturing exactly. So like in the book, there's really there's like two locations right or three locations or something and they show all of them and they're just they're captured so perfectly which were what there's the in the town and then there's uh bolt street yeah but there's the baron is it the barons um like they show those in succession uh in the opening sequence of the movie and i was just like Oh wow! It really looks exactly like it's described in the book. Like yeah. it was, he, they did such a good job of adhering to that. I yeah, think. it it looks like the book. It also looks like Bangor because it is right. That, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, so Derry, the fictional town created by Stephen King, is based on Bangor, where he lives, and uh, Castle Rock is based on Lisbon Falls in Maine, where we've also been. Yeah. Um, and I I remember when we went to Lisbon Falls, I was like, holy shit, this looks just like Needful Things. Like it looks like how Stephen King describes it. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, write what you know. Yeah. 
so the so the things that I noticed in the movie, obviously dairy. So the, you know there are all these references to dairy. There's all these Stephen King uh, well, yeah. stories that take place there. Uh, like I said, kind of a stretch. Um, and then the only two that I really saw. So one was they what. Why are you making the face? I'm just listening. Oh, uh, they mentioned the turtle multiple times. So the turtle, do you remember the turtle from it? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you haven't read the dark tower, so you don't know like everything about the I turtle. I know the turtle thing. So at the, at the end of the it book, when they actually defeat it as adults, I think there's this big turtle named Maturin who, if you read dark tower, he's one of the guardians of the beams. Um, and he, I think, uh, Maturin is the one who like, he created the universe because he got sick and he vomited and that created the universe that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's a part where all the kids are swimming and one of them is like, Oh, there's a turtle and he like dives down. And then, uh, what's his name? Bill at one point grabs Legos that are shaped like a turtle. Yeah. yeah. So that was like one thing. But again, that's more of a reference to it than to the, the universe. Um, and then the only other one I got is that like when Bev was covered in blood, it reminded me of Carrie, but that's kind of it. Yeah. That's a stretch. I think. Yeah. So the, you know, I'll get into the connections in the actual book, but like for the movie itself, that goes back to my complaint of like, just give me something. I'll bet Show there's more somewhere. I mean, I like that they. I, I googled it. Nobody seems to have found any. I guess maybe you should send the filmmaker a link to your blog. Maybe I will. Or website. Maybe I, mean. I will. In the book, um, there's also not a ton. So the thing about Stephen King is I feel like the more books he read, obviously the easier it is to find connections because I feel like he's then like going back to things that he's written before. Um, but in the book, it there's three good ones that I know of. There's a few more that are sort of like smaller connections that I don't think are really worth mentioning. But okay. um, one is there's a mention of Shawshank Prison, yeah, which he mentions in a lot of his stories. Yep. Um, but it's again, it's sort of like a side note. Yeah. Um, so the two best ones are one is you remember the um, the black spot fire. So that's where in so in the movie Mike Halloran's uh, or is that Mike? No, Mike. Mike's parents are. The, um, Mike's parents die in the fire. In the yeah. book, they don't die in the fire. Yeah. And the reason they don't die in the fire is because Dick Halloran from The Shining uses The Shining to know that something bad is coming, and he rescues Mike's dad from the fire. Oh. So Dick Halloran is in that, and then goes on to you know be uh, the guy in The Shining. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. And then the other one is that Henry Bowers' dad drives a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Oh. Which you may remember from Christine. Yes. I, I thought we would have seen that car in the movie. I was really shocked that I didn't see it. Yeah, that's that would have been so easy to that's throw that I'm car saying. in it's the so movie. It's so easy. Yeah. Just park it on yeah. the street somewhere. Although Henry was driving like a muscle car of some kind. That was like a Pontiac Firebird right. or something. Why not give him yeah. a Plymouth Fury? Make it red. How hard is that? Well, he was driving a car that was like really a staple of dirtbags in the 80s. That's fine. But again. <laughs> but you give him like a vintage Plymouth Fury, that would be. Well, it was his dad's car. Yeah. I feel like that would go in with his character. Though. It's like he took his dad's car to go out. Yeah, he like steals his dad's yeah, car. Yeah, because that's what happens in the book. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of it. That's all that's in the book. Um, but what gets really cool, how much time, how are we doing on time here? Oh, we're fine. Um, so, uh, it is mentioned in a lot of other Stephen King works and I think that's where it gets really fun and that's where you start to see that Stephen King like really cares about it. Yeah. Um, can you think of any? I know there's one that you know of. Um, no. In. Did you read 112263? Yeah. Do you remember? I don't remember. Mm. So there's, uh. 
there's a really obvious reference in 112263. So when um, whatever his name is, Jake. I think sure. that's his name, the main mm-hmm. guy yeah. in, in that book. Uh, so he's going back to 1963 to kill... Lee Harvey Oswald? Yes. Um, but he lands in Lisbon Falls, Maine, in 1958. So like every time he goes back, he has to spend those five years there to get yeah. to 63. Um, and there's one sort of go-around where he ends up in Derry in 1958, and he runs into Richie and Bev, and they have a whole conversation. Oh, I vaguely remember, remember that? that. And she says, I'm Bevy from the Levy." Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a really that's one of my favorite ones because it's really it really feels like not just a mention but like a real crossover. It's like he ran into them in 58, which is when the story takes place. Yeah. So it's like he sees them when they're in the midst of all the it stuff happening. And I yes. think they even talk about either the clown or like the kids disappearing or something. Yeah. So that's a really good one. Um in Insomnia, which has a lot of ties to the Dark Tower, which you did you ever read Insomnia? No. It's really good. That's what I heard. Um uh, Mike Hanlon from the books is still the librarian at the Dairy Public Library hmm. in Insomnia. Um, also, fun fact, so in the movie, for some reason, they sort of reversed Mike and Ben's roles because remember, Ben is the fat one and in the movie, yes. he's the one who's like researching or whatever. Yeah. In the book, that's actually Mike. Hmm. So he's the one doing the research and like telling everybody what to do. Um, and uh, so Mike goes on to become the librarian. So in the next movie, I'm not sure if it'll be Mike or Ben who's still in Dairy. It might be Ben. Because I feel like they're really tying him as like the protagonist. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder yeah. why they would make that change. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, in Misery, uh, the main character, Paul Sheldon, reveals that he lived across the street from Eddie Kasbrack. Eddie was the one with the asthma. Oh. Mm-hmm. Huh. So he like talks about Mrs. Kasbrack. Um, in Bag of Bones, one of my favorite Stephen King books, um, Joe, the main character's wife who dies at the beginning of the book, uh, one of her favorite authors is William Denbro which is Bill, oh, Sutter and Bill, who goes yeah. on to become a famous novelist. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of stuttering Bill, one thing that I could never get over in the original series, uh, the adult version of stuttering Bill was played by the guy from Little House on the Prairie with that, like, he's got like a birthmark on his cheek. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know his name, but when I was a kid, I just couldn't stop staring at that birthmark. It was so distracting in the whole second half of that miniseries. I think he had a ponytail, too. Okay, we'll just cut this out. Okay. <laughs> Any Little House fans out there? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go on with the connection. Oh, please. I, I didn't mean to <laughs> slow you down. <laughs> Um, all right, so in uh, there's two terrible Stephen King books. Can you guess what they are? Remember when Stephen King was on like a lot of coke and wrote a lot of really terrible books, but there's two that are known for being terrible? Yeah. Um, shit, what is I that like, one? I feel like you'll know when I it's say it. It's not Needful Things, is it? No. Uh, it's that era, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like the 90s. Dolores Claiborne? No. I mean, um, that one sucks, but not for the same reason. Um, shit. Oh, 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 oh. The Tommyknockers? Yes, that's one yeah, of them. And the, the other Tom- one is like the worst movie ever made based on a Stephen King book. Came out in the early 2000s. The worst movie ever made. There's like a... Oh, 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 I know this. Uh, 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 I can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, Nightcrawler? No. Um, uh, Dreamcatcher? Dreamcatcher. Yes. Damn it. Yes, so yes. Okay. You knew I was thinking of the right yeah. one. So there's, yeah. so there's two connections in those. So um, in the Tommyknockers, um, 
the main guy is like driving between two of the towns. He's trying to get away from the aliens or whatever. And he's hallucinating. Um, and he uh, he sees a clown in an open sewer manhole. And it's described as a clown with shiny silver dollars for eyes and a clenched white glove filled with balloons. What book is that? Tommy Knockers. Huh. And then in Dreamcatcher, um, they at some point take a trip to Derry because they're, they're like in the woods in Maine. Okay. And they see a plaque. And it says, to those lost in the storm, May 31st, 1985, and to the children, all the children, love from Bill, Ben, Bev, Eddie, Richie, Stan, Mike, the Losers Club. And then someone has spray painted across the plaque, Pennywise Lives. Pretty bold (laughs) mention. Um, And then uh, I save the best for last because there's a lot of it references in the Dark Tower. Mm -hmm. Um, So one, there is a robot called Stuttering Bill, which is a pretty clear reference. Um, there's at one point, Stephen King, the narrator says something about a certain paper boat. You may remember Mm -hmm. there is, um, Oh, so, you know, Stephen King is a character in the dark tower. Yes. Um, so at one point somebody who's like hanging out with Stephen King says that they like the, the show about the clown. Okay. And then, um, two of the characters, Eddie and Susanna come across a clown and it says, uh, he was bald except for two fluffs of frizzy red hair, one on each side of his head. To Susanna, this guy looked like Clarabelle the Clown. To Eddie, he looked like Ronald McDonald. To both of them, he looked like Trouble. Mm. What do you think about that? Pennywise lives, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are all the the connections I know of. That's great. Um, what could where could, is there a place people could go if they there is it's if, called dairyconnection.com if they find more the official sponsor of the dairy connection <laughs> podcast <laughs> so last thing i wanted to say is like yeah. we said earlier <laughs> uh it takes place in Derry, which is based on bangor where stephen king lives correct um and i wanted to talk about some of the things that we saw in bangor oh, that yeah. were referenced in the movie yeah you want to start? Uh, well, we saw the big water tower mm-hmm. thing. You you kept elbowing me in the movie every time you saw the water tower, which was in there like 50 times in the yeah. movie. It, so there is a real, it looks exactly like that. Yeah. And Stephen King, I think he said, so when we were on the tour, I think they said that he, I forget what book he was writing, but there was some book that he was, maybe it was it. I can't remember. I think it was it, yeah. But he would like go and there's like little picnic tables near the water tower and he would go and sit there and write on his legal pad. Yeah. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. Um, what else do you remember? What else? Oh, here's something I wanted to ask you. So we is this related to what I just said. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Um, so we did the tour, yeah. and uh, we went past that storm drain. Do you remember that? Yeah. And they did a little gag, and there was a reason he mentioned the storm drain, like that specific I think one. It was supposed to be that that street was like Nebolt Street was based off of that street. Yeah, allegedly. Is that the storm? Is that literally the storm drain that they shot in the movie? I was trying to tell. I was. Tr- I couldn't tell if it was. I. I don't. It didn't look so much like it that I was sure it was the same one. But it's definitely. It's like close to the corner. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely like downhill, close to the it. corner. Yeah, yeah. They did a good job. When of When we did the tour, somewhere. the the tour guide went and got a fake arm and put it in the sewer and took pictures of all of us in front of it. Yeah, which it was, was cute. It was great. Yeah. What else? Do you remember the other things? Uh, what else? There was the Paul Bunyan statue. Oh yeah, which there is actually a very large Paul Bunyan statue in in uh, Bangor. Yeah, and in the books, if you've read it, and I'm sure this will be in part two, but there's a part where uh, the Paul Bunyan statue comes to life and it's like you know 50 feet tall or whatever, and it tries yeah. to attack them. Uh, 
There was the Dairy uh, Library, which looked a lot like the Bangor Library. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I think Stephen King like paid to restore or something. He's basically like rebuilt all of Bangor. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he seems to be the one man industry that is driving that that whole yeah, city. It's great. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And the last thing was the the mafia thing. Oh, the shootout. Yeah. Thing. Do you remember what that's called? Uh, no, but it, isn't it? Um, isn't that named as one of the things that happens like every twenty seven years? They're like, they're like, there's the there was the explosion that, at the Easter egg hunt that oh, like killed that all the kids. Oh, that was one of the tragedies. And then the next tragedy was like the shootout in the middle mm. of Bangor that killed all those people. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's like an intersection right in the middle of Bangor where in the downtown in yeah. downtown where this gang got into a shootout with the FBI or something. Cause they were the, the mob. They were the mob, but it was like, weren't they like, um, they were running like booze or something during prohibition or something. Anyway, we read they, all about it when we were there. Yeah. There's a huge shootout, but there's a sandwich shop right on the corner that has this giant mural inside. Yeah. That which looked a lot the like thing. the mural that was in the movie. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was neat. Yeah. And it, I mean, it looked, Derry looked like Bangor. Like it had the little river and it had the like the bridge and. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they made any effort to obscure the fact that it was. Do you think it was filmed there? Uh, totally. Oh, okay. I, I mean, sure. at least all the establishing shots were there. I don't know if like the. Yeah. The actual scenes were filmed there, but definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we've done this for long enough. Okay. Thank you for being on my podcast. It was an, a privilege and an honor. Anything else you want to add about it? Uh, any other phallic thoughts? No, I'm, uh, I think that if you take the time to see the movie that all of the, um, phallic and, (laughs) uh, vaginal imagery will, will speak for itself. And (laughs) I don't think that you will, um, think that I'm a moron for, for seeing that or a creep. Uh, also if you haven't read the book, I, I cannot recommend it it's enough. It's long, but it's so good. So worth the read. I mean, yeah. it's it's really long, and that prevented me from cracking it for a long time. But, oh, my God, when I read it, I, I it's one of those books that I am I will always regret that I can't read it again for the first time. Yep. All right, that's it. DairyConnection.com. Check the website. It's on the internet. Bye. Party like it's six nineteen ninety nine.